Morning, everybody. Oh. I was, um, yeah, I am an engineer, really. I always said I was an electronics engineer who loves Jesus, and I still am. Um, can I see everybody up there just about? Yeah, hello. Uh, funny, you've got to look up here when you preach now, for your redemption draws nigh. That's what the Bible says. Um, not that I'm looking down on everybody else, you understand. Um, just get on. We're going to look at uh, Matthew 19, uh, 13 to 30, following on from what Raj preached last week. And uh, like anything, I'm, I'm a little out of practice at preaching, but my mouth still works. <laughs> and, and so it'll probably be okay, if that makes sense. Do you know what I mean? It's, I always found when, you know, when God said he'd put his word in my mouth, he did. All I seemed to have to do was open it and things came out. Because it's God who calls, it's God who enables, it's God who equips, it's God who builds his church, and, and we don't have to worry about it. It's God we're, in the right way, scared of. We fear him if we know him, and yet we love him. This, this strange thing. I must admit, when I looked at Raj's face on the, the screen saying, do you like your vegetables? And then Raj's face came up, and I thought, I'm scared of that. <laughs> that was the scariest bit of that little thing. However, sorry. Um, but God, I have a holy fear of God, but I love him. I give my life for him because he's God. And he planned the whole thing and he called it into being and he's got it in hand. And we don't need to fear. That's where our confidence lies. However, let's get on with the Bible reading. I'm reading from the ESV. Oh, happy Father's Day, by the way. Don't think anybody's mentioned it yet. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah he says. Yeah, yeah. That, that would be you, Raj. Happy Father's Day. And, um, you know, I think happy Father's Day, actually. Our God is our Father. All authority belongs to him. A magnificent he is. Anyway, sorry, I could drift off and I'll have to stick to my Bible reading. Matthew 19, 13 to 30, the, Jesus has been with a, a crowd of people and he, he, he's taught many things, talked about divorce and things last week. And then it says, then children were brought to him that he might lay his hands on them and pray. And the disciples rebuked the people, but Jesus said, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them for to such belongs the kingdom of heaven. And he laid his hands on them and went away. And behold, a man came to him, saying, Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? And he said to him, Why do you ask me about what is good? There's only one who is good. If you would enter life, keep the commandments. And he said to him, Which ones? And Jesus said, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not, shall not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The young man said to him, all these I've kept. What do I still lack? And Jesus said to him, if you would be perfect, go and sell what you possess and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Come and follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. And Jesus said to the disciples, Truly I say to you, 
Only with difficulty will a rich person enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. When the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished, saying, who then can be saved? But Jesus looked at them and said, with man, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. Then Peter said in reply, see, we have left everything and followed you. What then will we have? And Jesus said to them, truly, I say to you, in the new world, when the Son of Man will sit on his glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or lands for my name's sake will receive a hundredfold and will inherit eternal life. But many who are first will be last and are last first. I have four points this morning. The kingdom, the question, wealth, and eternity. There's actually four preachers here if you really want it, but you'll get it all in one. What is the kingdom of God? We have the phrase in the Bible time and time again, the kingdom. Well, simply put, the kingdom of God is anywhere where the rule of God is known, displayed, and enjoyed. I'll say that again. Anywhere where the rule of God is known, displayed, and enjoyed. Generally, young children, notice Jesus said about the, let the little children come to me. Young children are generally, there's always exceptions, but they're open, and they're transparent, and they're trusting, and they're obedient. Generally. There's an innocence about them that's beautiful. If we would receive and enjoy the kingdom of God, then we need to cultivate a childlike obedience and trust in the Lord. We get ever so sophisticated these days. And as we get older, we begin to say, but why should I do this? I want my own way. I want my own thing, God, so I don't agree with you. I hear people say things like, well, if I was God... Anybody ever said that? Well, if I was God, I wouldn't do X, Y, or Z. Just as well you're not God then. Yet, you see, for us to know and enjoy God's kingdom requires from us simple, childlike faith and trust throughout our lives. It's not like we grow up and suddenly become very sophisticated I want to be just as childlike the day before I go to heaven as I was when I first got saved when I was six. I want to have that simplicity of trust. Are there all sorts of questions? Loads. And I love science and I love exploring stuff. But at the end of the day, those aren't the answers. They're the questions. The answer is God. Always. The answer is God. So when we pray, your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Have you ever prayed that? We don't do it so much these days. What we're in fact saying is, I I love you, Lord, and I gladly submit to your will and plans. And in living that way, 
We will take the kingdom of God everywhere we go. We will reveal God's kingdom by the way we live, by the way we behave, by the way we talk, and by the way we serve. Have you ever... I used to, when I was young, I can say that now, because I'm not young. I can use the term when I'm old now. But when I was young, you used to meet older Christians. And they always seemed so confident in God. They had a peace about them that just, you know, went beyond anything. They, they, you thought, wow, will I be ever that trusting? Will I ever know God quite like that? I'd like to think I do now, because it's called growing up. But, but we don't grow up with questions. We grow up, grow up into trust, into reliance, in confidence, because with all the clever questions of this world, and there's loads, and scientists are asking more and more, and knowledge is increasing at a phenomenal rate, but nobody looks for the answer in the right place. That's in God. We think we've designed all sorts of things. No, we're just finding out what's possible because God created it. And our confidence is there in his plans and he knows what he's doing. And I'm quite at peace with that. And he wants us to be right at, at quite at peace with that. So that wherever we go, we demonstrate the love of God. We demonstrate the confidence of God. We, do, we just say, oh, no, it's okay, I'm at peace. But the world that's going, what about global war? What about, I'm at peace. Because we're in God's hands. And we can't lose. That's why the gospel's so important. Anyway, on to the next bit. What time do I have to finish? At 12 o'clock? Oh, plenty of time. It's only half past 11 if, you're not, it's a, if you can't get your head around that far. Um, the question. There's this young man in the crowd he must have been around for a while. He's been listening to Jesus teach and all sorts of it. And he, he comes to Jesus. I've been fascinated, actually. I've been thinking about this young man. And was he a Pharisee or a Sadducee? And I know it's not in, in the text, but, you know, the Pharisees believed in eternity, but they were a bit up themselves. You know, the bit, bit it's all about us and aren't we good. The Sadducees were just sad because they didn't believe in eternity at all. They said, it's only this life and there's nothing else. And you think, well, they're miserable people, the pair of them, aren't they? One's got no hope and the other one's too proud and arrogant to be available to God. I wonder which one this young man was. Somewhere between the two, I don't know. But it's interesting that he comes to Jesus as a, a wealthy, probably a devout Jew, and, and he says, what must I do? So he's asking about eternity. Doing well for himself in the world's eyes. He wants to live forever, though. Anybody want to live forever? Well, I'm going to live forever. Anybody else want to live forever? We, we need to understand the gospel is about eternity. It's forever. It's not just this life. The Bible says, if only in this life we have hope, we are of all people most miserable. Well, I'm not miserable, I'm happy. Because I'm going to heaven. I'm going to heaven. Since I, I gave up leading, both my mom and dad uh, have died. Uh, retired Salvation Army officers. My dad was 94. Uh, my mom, 96 when she died. And uh, 
we glorious times, glorious times. I mean, it was tough as they got old, it was, they were frail. But I remember my dad, he was in hospital, he'd had a, a ruptured aorta and he was, he was dying and he was sort of semi-conscious. And I said to him, it's okay, you're, you're holding his hand. And I said, you're nearly there. You're nearly there. This is what you've lived for. And he said, whatever you think, what I'm seeing right now is better than I ever thought. I'm thinking, Ooh, good, go on, go for it. And within a day he died and we had a funeral. And great. Sad but great. It was a celebration of life. And then a couple of years later, my mom was 96 and uh, we'd had to get her into a home and she was in the home for 18 months and there, all the staff started to come to her and they, they, they started um, asking, would you pray with us? And so she had people queuing up every day to pray with her, and, which was great. And then towards the end, she, she got... She took an awful lot. She said, I want to go to heaven. I said, well, I can't help you. You just have to wait patiently. Uh, uh, and and she, she finally got there. <coughs> I'm sure she's rejoicing now. She'd probably be telling me right now to shut up. But the interesting thing was at her funeral, some of the staff came from the home. There was Salvation Army, and a guy came. She'd, she'd said, I want him to to do my funeral. So he, he traveled miles and came, did a funeral. He preached the gospel, made an appeal for salvation. One of the staff came and knelt at the mercy seat and gave a heart to the Lord. Now that's what I call a funeral. You see, we get so worried about the now, we forget for the future. Yeah? I'm looking forward for heaven. It's not in my notes, any of that, but I just feel it's important because we get so earthbound. Anybody feel earthbound? One or two of you are earthbound. <laughs> Let's move on. What good deed must I do to inherit eternal life? I want to live forever. What do I have to do? And Jesus' response is interesting because he very quickly reveals this man's true condition. Why do you ask me about goodness? You consider yourself a good man, obviously, but only God is good. If you ever met anyone, sometimes you think, they're so good, they, they should be saved, really. No. The Bible says all our goodness, all our righteousness, is like filthy rags before the holiness of God. We don't come near the goodness of God. We may be very nice people and very kind. We don't come near the goodness of God. Only God is good. And so he says, so if you want to enter life, that's what eternity is about. Enter life. Step into eternity now and the future. If you want to enter life, keep the commandments. Oh. The young man's answer speaks volumes. Which ones? Because obviously he's thinking, some are more important. Which ones? Shall I? If I keep this list, will that get me there? We get ever so earthbound, performance-based. If I do the right things, will God smile at me? Will he be pleased with me? 
Jesus responds by quoting only six of the Ten Commandments. Well, here you go. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother. And you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Oh, all of these. I, I've done, I keep those. <laughs> now we find the old man's a bit arrogant. I, I'm, I'm okay. I, I'm good at that. I keep all of those. I, I, I don't have immoral thoughts. I, I don't, you know, I'm, I'm just, I've got it right. Is there anything else I need to do? Now that's arrogant. Don't you think that's a bit arrogant? Nobody here like that, are you? If you would be perfect. That's me. Go and sell your, what you possess. Give to the poor. And you'll have treasure in heaven. Come and follow me. Now there's a challenge. You know the phrase, well you can't take it with you. But we've now got this phrase, people keep talking about, but I want to leave a legacy. Do you ever, I want my life to be a legacy. Well that's good. But your legacy will get burnt up too. You see, if you want to store up treasure, you want to store it up in heaven, and you can't take it with me, you've got to send it on ahead. That's how it works. Sell what you possess, give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Come and follow me. That's a challenge. Isn't it a challenge? Get rid of everything you got, your possessions, your posh this, and you empty your bank account. Is that the cost of following Jesus? Well, it was for this young man. This isn't a rule. This is Jesus putting his finger where the issues are. Now, do we have any issues, I wonder? Might not be riches, but do you find... If you, if you would follow Jesus, he'll put his finger on the spot. And he'll make you squirm a little bit. You think, oh Lord, not that. Anybody ever had that experience? Whatever you want, Lord, but not that. That's where the finger will go. There's always a cost to following Jesus. It's not that we earn anything, but it's a bit like someone says... I'm here, Lord. My hands are full. I've got more. And he says, well, I can't give you it until you lay all that down. It's free. It's free. Eternity's free. Life with meaning and purpose is free. But your hands are full. Will you put them down? I want to put Jesus first. That's the cost of following Jesus. He does that, of course, because he loves us. He wants the best for us. The question is always, is there something more important to you and I than God, his will, and his kingdom? Because we can also, oh, yeah, all for Jesus, all for Jesus, whatever it takes. Really? God, show me what's really in my heart and mind a challenge, isn't it? I, f I find, I, when I was young and arrogant, 
Um, I might still be, but arrogant, and I'm not young. But when, when I was younger, I used to... I was quite sensitive to God's prodding and poking, and I, I, I was, oh, I, oh, yeah, I'll pay the price, whatever it means. But I've discovered something. As you get older, you get more attached to what you've got. You get more settled in your home. You get more comfortable in this world. I'm not saying God's going to take it all away, but interestingly, if we're not careful, we can miss his finger going, hey, what about this? What about this? And I keep praying, saying, God, keep me open, keep me tender, whatever it takes, whatever it means. That's my heart. God loves us. He's not condemning us. But he's saying, I love you too much to leave you like you are. I love you too much to think you just, it doesn't matter. If you would follow me, take up your cross and follow me. Then we go to wealth. As the young man walked away with sadness in his heart, Jesus turns to his disciples and shocks them to the core. Truly I say to you, and only with difficulty will a rich person enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than a rich person enter the kingdom of God. Now, what's all this about a camel? What? Seems like, doesn't it come out of left field? A camel? An eye of a needle and a camel. I always thought that was a bit strange as a kid. I used to read that. Hey, well, strange. Jesus is actually using a, a term, eye of a needle, as a metaphor for a very narrow opening. I've looked into this camel bit just because it's, it's, it, I was curious, really. I, I mean, I've talked about this before, but I, I looked into it fresh, and the, it's thought, and it's only thought, there's no archaeological evidence for this, okay? But some say there was a small gate in the Jerusalem walls that travelers could squeeze through, and it was known as the Needle Gate. But it was so tiny that the travelers had to strip everything off their camels, even, even, the, even the saddle, and the camel is getting its knees and have to crawl through on its knees. Camel through the eye of a needle. Oh, so the, the camel's load, now it's all got to go. Only the camel gets through. Now, I don't know if that's true. Whatever's behind the term, though, Jesus is quite unambiguous in saying it's very difficult for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, are we rich? I, I, how do you measure richness? all relative. People say, oh, I'm not rich. I could take you to parts of, the, parts of Africa right now and you'd be classed as a millionaire because of what they have and we don't. Uh, so what we have and they don't. So I'm not measuring riches and I'm not pointing the finger at riches or telling people what they should have. I'm saying what Jesus said, it's really hard for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. 
And the disciples, they're shocked and say, well, ah, Lord, what's, what's the point then? Who can be saved? You see, Jesus here is highlighting the power of money. The Apostle Paul tells us in 1 Timothy uh, 6.10, but godliness with contentment is great gain. We, we brought nothing into the world. We can take nothing out of the world. But if we have food and clothing, with these we will be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evils. It's through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. Jesus was showing this man that his security and his confidence wasn't in God at all. It was in his wealth. It's in what he had. He said, if I have a rainy day, I've always got plenty of money. I'm okay. I have all I need. <coughs> Excuse me. He said, I want to have eternal life and riches. I want to live forever, but be wealthy at the same time. That's a challenge, isn't it? The guy goes away because he, I'm not prepared to follow Jesus on those terms. I can't give Jesus everything. We sing songs like, all my days and all my hours. All my ways and all, all the passion of my soul shall be thine. We sing that with heart. Oh, this young man couldn't sing that. All my wealth, all my possessions, all I have are yours, Lord? That's a question, isn't it? You see, to be wealthy as a Christian in this world brings with it a huge responsibility. And they say, how is it possible to be saved then? And Jesus said, with man it's impossible. With God it is possible. The question is, where do we place our trust? Where is our security? Is it in God or is it in money, wealth and possessions? Now, don't get me wrong, I'm, I'm all for being responsible with the money we have, saving appropriately and all the rest of it. But the problem is, often the more we have, the more we want. That's the pressure of money, just a bit more, and then I'll be secure. You see, there's a, one commandment that was never talked about in Jesus' dialogue with this man. It struck me as soon as I read it, and in Matthew 22, which I guess somebody will be preaching on in a few weeks' time, Jesus was asked, which was the greatest commandment? And he cried, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. Wow. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And even then, I find we often quote, we've got to love our neighbor as ourselves, but we very rarely say, we've got to love God with all 
our heart and all our soul and all our mind and all my passion. That's my purpose in life, to love God. Oh, I've got to love my neighbor. Yes, you have. But do you love God first? That's a huge challenge. Especially in a world that keeps talking about how much we have and don't have and all the temptations. That's a huge challenge. How can we have riches and eternal life? By making sure that all we have belongs to Jesus and is available to serve him as he directs. See, this is not a judgmental preach. This is Jesus revealing truth of how it all works. My last point is the word eternity. I imagine some of you maybe are feeling a little challenged, wishing Paul would shut up and go, I want my dinner. You know those, do you ever done that? I've, I've sat through many sermons wishing I could go home and have my dinner. Do, do, you're much more holy than me then. but I'm preaching now, so tough. Um, You see, the good news is Jesus promised that we will never lose and we have everything to gain. We can't lose in following Jesus. In John 6, he says, I go to prepare a place for you. You can't lose. You know, with all the COVID thing, and I understand the fear and the worry and the stress, but you know what? For me to live as Christ, to die as gain, I can't lose because I'm a child of God. If you're born again, you can't lose. That's the truth. That's what we stand on, on what God says. Peter says, Jesus, we've left everything to follow you, which they had. They're fishing businesses and all sorts of things. Their jobs as tax collectors, all sorts of things. He said, what, what will we have? And Jesus says, truly I say to you, in the new world, when the Son of Man will sit on his glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel, and everyone. That would include us who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or lands for my namesake, will receive a hundredfold and will inherit eternal life. My mom and dad are there. And they've inherited eternal life. And my grandma's there. I've got loads of family there. And they're queuing up to greet me. I'm not ready yet, just yet, but... But that's the reality. That's the reality of the Christian life. For me to live is Christ. But to die is better. I can't lose. That's the promise Jesus is saying here. You can't lose following me. You can't lose putting me first. What's this new world Jesus is talking about? He's talking about the time when he comes again, when Jesus returns and there's a new heaven and a new earth. It's called the regeneration in a number of ways of putting it, but it's when he makes all things new. Does it need making new? Put the news on. 
Does the world need making new? And I'm not just talking about creation, I'm talking about the whole thing is going to make all things new. That's our promise. That's a, what we can stand on. We look forward to the day, don't we? I, I, I grew up as a... My brother and I used to argue, but do you think Jesus is coming today? I think he's returning today. We still have those conversations. He's three and a half years younger than me. Jesus hasn't come yet. But let's be careful we don't let our faith grow cold and think, well, it's not going to happen. It is. It is. He says here, there'll be a new world. It's new. That's a subject for another day, really. And I, I don't know who's preaching from Matthew 24 when we get to it, but there's some things to talk about when Jesus comes again. When we get to Matthew 24, that could be fun, Raj, couldn't it? <laughs> we scared, we're scared of these things. We skirt around them. The only hope in our world is Jesus and the gospel. That's the only hope. There isn't another one. And my next-door neighbors, they, they need Jesus. We live in a close, and I, I know virtually everybody by, on, by name. And so virtually, not every day, but most days, I pray for each one of them. I go around and, look, and I pray for them. And I say, Lord, would you draw people to Jesus? Father, would you draw them to Jesus, please? That's my biggest prayer. That's the only thing that really matters in life. Now, you may say, well, I, I, I'm, I'm still at work. Well, pray for the people you work with, that they may come to know Jesus that the Father would draw them. Pray that your lifestyle so impacts them for the kingdom that they get, what, you, what are you on? And hopefully you're on the right stuff. You know what I mean? It, that's the Christian life. That's the passion of our soul. The thought of retirement. Something, I like being retired. My model railway likes it. It's great. But to lose my passion for people to be born again. Never. Never. That's what it's all about. Where's the mission field? Who do you know? That's your mission field. Who do you know? And we'll see where people have riches. They're the hardest people sometimes to reach with the gospel. But it's not impossible. It's possible for the rich to come as well as the poor. I'm over looking after the poor, and Jesus talked about that. But my prayer has always been, Lord, there's so many people who are living, resting on their ambition and their acquired wealth. And they're the most lost of all. Because they need Jesus. Let that be our passion. As I say, Matthew 24, I guess I'll open it up a bit more. He's coming soon. That's a relative term, you understand. But the Bible tells me he's coming soon. I want to finish right now, and then we're going to sing Before the Throne of God I Stand. But I want to finish with this, Matthew 6. 19 to 21. Because this is Jesus telling us how to live. Do not lay up for yourselves treasure on earth where moth 
and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Let's stand, shall we? It's going to pray for us and then we'll sing. And thank you for being patient and not worrying too much about your lunch. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you, your word works. It bears fruit. It tells truth. It transforms lives. And so, Lord, Holy Spirit, I just pray you'll burn your word into us deep inside that we may grow, that we may benefit, that we may flourish for your kingdom's sake and for your glory. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.